Ephesians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7 this morning. I ask you to stand for the reading of the Word. Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Amen. Amen. May God be glorified through the reading of His Word and add His blessing to it. You may be seated. I hope I'm not dating myself too bad this morning with what I'm about to share with you. But do you remember the TV commercials in the 70s for Heinz Ketchup? Do y'all remember that? Uh, The song that played in the background was called Anticipation by Carly Simon. And, And they held the bottle like this and they just waited for the ketchup to come out. That's the whole commercial. And just waiting. And uh, it was brilliant because it suggested that this was worth waiting for. And the anticipation of that ketchup coming out of that bottle onto whatever you're putting it on was worth the wait. (laughs) I remember being little and loving ketchup. I would have one French fry and a plate of ketchup. And once I dipped the fry in, usually with a spoon... I would scoop the ketchup with the spoon and then what was left over I'd lick and then I'd go get some more ketchup. Anybody else like ketchup that much as a kid? You know, New Liberty, some people said, you owe me too, me too. And, and I thought, you know, I'll bet I'm not the only one here either, but maybe I am. Or you're not willing to admit you liked ketchup as a kid that much. And, or you won't own up to it, right? Um, but I will say this. Um, that commercial connected me to the uh, value of what was coming. It was just human nature to like what you like and, and want it to be there right away. And so that anticipation, you know, and it was worth waiting for. But you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but you wanted to get it out quicker instead of holding it like the commercial show. So did you, like me, take the bottle and whack the bottom of it trying to get the ketchup out. And then when you get old, they say, no, hold it like this and tap the neck. And, and some people say, just grab a knife and scoop it out. You ever try all those methods? Listen, they had glass bottles back then. Do you remember glass bottles, right? Now they got squeeze bottles. And I'll tell you what, I don't like them a bit. And I'll tell you why. The other day I was at a gas station and I had one of them squeeze bottles of Heinz ketchup Brand new, had to, had to peel that thing off the inside, you know, and, and put the top back on. And you squeeze, you just want a little line on that hot dog, right? Well, that first blast 
covered my whole bun and hot dog with a blob of ketchup that would have made me as a kid excited. But as an adult, I couldn't even hold the thing because there was so much ketchup squirted out. I don't like squeeze bottles for ketchup. I understand it for other stuff, but it needs to come out better instead of like it does. You know what I'm talking about. I, I don't like them. Modern conveniences are not so convenient. I'd rather tap the bottle and wait. Um, but times have changed, you know, with the squeeze bottles and the way things are supposed to be more convenient. But what hasn't changed is how we feel when we're waiting for something really good that we know is coming. Advent. Something really good is coming. And it's a time to reflect. It's a time to reflect on family, uh, Christ, and His birth. And during this season, though, things are so jam-packed. I mean, people, family, things to do, places to go, crowds, traffic, all these things. Everything is just hustle and bustle this time of year. It almost seems like it's impossible to sit down and be quiet and reflect on Jesus for any length of time without having something to do or something to interrupt you. Well, today, we're reflecting on Jesus. And we're going to do that throughout Advent. Today, we reflect on the anticipation of Christmas. What exactly is that? The anticipation of Christmas. Does that mean like the 25th? Or the get-together of family? What do we actually anticipate? Well, if you read the weekday text this week, you may have an idea of what anticipation is about from the way I look at things. Now, when I married Christina, I did not see her in her wedding gown until the moment she walked through the door at the appointed time. I knew she was there. I knew she was beautiful. And... I knew she was coming and it was there to be married to me. I knew this because people told me who know these things, who were with her and saw her in her gown and said, Oh, you, you, dude, you're so lucky. I'm going, I know. <laughs> but I could only anticipate with expectant hope and imagination of what that moment when I first saw her would be. And what that would be like. Because I didn't know. I'd never had that experience. But I knew this. She had never failed on any promise she had made to me. And I had no question in my mind whatsoever she's going to keep that promise about being there to marry me. I often wonder, well, a few times anyway, I wondered if she ever considered if I would be there. Is he actually going to show up? In Galatians, we read today that we've been given the spirit of the Son of God into our hearts, which cries, Abba, Father. This is the same cry that Jesus offered when he was on the cross, Abba, Father. It's a deeply personal and intimate term of affection, this word Abba. It can only be said by somebody who knows and lives that relationship. It isn't used flippantly or haphazardly or, or expectantly in hope 
that he would be his father. The one who says it truly knows the status of the relationship. Abba means daddy, not father. It's not saying father, father. It's saying you're my daddy and you're my father. Recognizing both things that God was to his son. In the Amplified, it tells us in Galatians chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus is the exact likeness of the unseen God. The visible representation of the invisible is who he is. We cannot see an unseen God. With our eyes, he's impossible to be seen. Nobody has seen God and lived. And nobody can describe what God looks like because they haven't seen him. So we can't visually observe him. He has to be revealed, shown to us who he is by his nature. And just as Christine behind the door at the church that day was my unseen bride, we wait for the revelation of God, for that door to open and we know who is standing there is who God is. We anticipate at Advent the coming of Jesus. He's the one who made the Father known and He is the one who will return. That's Jesus. This Spirit that's been given connects us to a deeply personal kind of God. A God who is knowable without even being seen. It's the Spirit who convinces us of this and causes us to cry out like Jesus did. Now when it says here in verse 6, God sent forth the Spirit, He's talking about the Spirit being sent forth on a mission. The word is kind of like the word apostle, but the mission of the Holy Spirit is to convince us that He's Daddy, not just God. Because it's just, it says it's the Spirit of Christ put into us. The same one that was in Jesus, the same nature that was in Christ on the cross, is the same one He's trying to put into us, where we know Him as Daddy. And that Spirit causes us to cry out and say, Truly you are God, and you love me like a Daddy. And you are my Father. Without question. At the church, Christine came down the aisle. But it wasn't until she responded to my I do with her own I do that the anticipation of the moment of unity could truly end. The tension of creation is caught in that moment. Will the groom offer his undying love? Will she accept? Will somebody be jilted at the altar? It's happened before. Probably the most humiliating, embarrassing thing that's ever happened, but it's happened. Not not in my experience, but I've seen it and heard of it. But it's that same mindset that this is a possibility that maybe he won't say yes or she won't say yes or maybe one will get cold feet 
And it's that same mindset that pervades society that subtly and gradually invades our thinking about Jesus. We've learned to distrust and question everything. Maybe you've thought things like this. If Jesus is really real and he actually does come back like he said, will he really want me? Maybe he won't want me. And what if I didn't do everything right? Or I didn't say that prayer, you know, of confession right or repent right. Or I didn't really believe the right way. What if I didn't do the things that I was supposed to do? Is, is he still going to see me as his? And who am I anyway that he would actually want me? Billions of people and he wants me? Maybe those thoughts come to your head. Our inner voices pervasively create doubt and uncertainty, don't they? Yet the scriptures which are irrefutable testify to this truth. He is real. He has come. And he will come again. Without question. He is Emmanuel. Scripture clearly says when Jesus is named, he is Emmanuel, God with us. You say, yeah, I've heard that before. But why do you think God with us is so needed that he would say that? Because God knew we would forget he was with us unless he actually was. Think about it. The Israelites wandering to the wilderness, pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, and they forgot who God was. And yet he was there in these supernatural signs. We're going, oh, I'd never forget. I'd see that. I'd know that's God. Well, they dismissed it after a time. So to remind us, he gave his son the name. I am with you. And not just externally, but to be in you. So you wouldn't forget I'm with you. And that's why God did that. So we learn to trust God at His Word and to listen for the Holy Spirit and the Christ Spirit within us. It's given. The Spirit has this mission, as that word apostle means, of calming our hearts, our anxious hearts, and which tell us we don't matter. And the Holy Spirit says you don't have to pound the bottle or squeeze out the ketchup anymore when you're looking for Christ. Or force Him to happen. You realize that God's timing can supersede our anxious soul. And He will come. And He will replace it with a calm anticipation of what we know is behind the door. Without having seen it. So what doubts do you have that you need to let go of today? What questions are in your mind about your relationship with Him? Mine used to be, do I even have the Christ Spirit? I don't even know. I don't say Abba Father. I think that sounds weird to me. I know someone who prays and he calls God Dad. I used to think that was weird. And then I learned his story and I learned his dad had died a long time ago and he didn't have one. 
But when God became his friend and Jesus his Lord, he said, I got a dad. He's my dad. I got one and he loves me. He'll never leave me. He keeps his promises. He shows me all sorts of things. He's my daddy. God is my dad. And that's how he prayed. So what fears do you have this morning about your relationship with God? What questions keep you from fully trusting? What insecurities do you carry into that relationship? What anxieties pervade your mind and your emotions that say, I I, I just don't know. I'm so uncertain about it. I just can't tell. How do you know? How do you know? And all those things that keep stirring. What about distrust? Is there distrust of authority? Or of Scripture that God is who He really said He was? All those things, are you willing right now right here to ask the Spirit of Christ to invade you and to indwell you with the full confidence you belong to the Father and He's your dad. He's your daddy, the right kind that will never leave you, never forsake you, never lie to you, deceive you, abuse you, or mistreat you. And that He always keeps His promises and when He opens the door and says He's going to be there, He's there. And he offers the relationship to you first. Will you let him do that today? This is the question that we answer in communion this morning. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your word in Christ, for your mercies and your grace. Thank you for who you are. I ask that you would help us to bring all the fears, insecurities, questions we have and let them be settled with your promise that you are with us, you love us and establish your spirit in us, Lord Jesus, that we would be established. I pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen.